Hey, I want to welcome you back to our God Size Living podcast. This is episode number five. Uh, this podcast is really designed to ask uh, one really singular question, and the question is, what size is your life? Uh, I'm a pastor. I've been doing this for over 30 years, and I've kind of discovered something over the years that there's a lot of people who will look back at their lives and say to me, you know, uh, there's got to be more to life than what I'm experiencing. Uh, too often people are living uh, their lives uh, according to the very small narratives of this world rather than living inside of the story that God has prepared for us. And so I really want to challenge that in people and, and help us think about, you know, what, what size is my life? I, I think about today. You know, today I will, there will be a page written in the story of my life. At the end of it, at the end of this day, do I look back? Do I say, hey, look, I, I feel like I've, I've got meaning and purpose, that, that what this day was about is part of a, a grander story of a God who's invited me to join him uh, in the greatest adventure on earth, and that is changing this world one soul at a time. So here's how this podcast works. We're taking a deep dive into uh, books of the Bible that introduce to us characters who, who I really believe exemplify what it means to live God-sized lives. Uh, we've started with the book of Daniel, introduces to us the, the character of Daniel and uh, three other Judean companions of his uh, who are living in Babylon and who I think exemplify uh, in large degree what it means uh, to have spiritual strength, to, to be able to face some of the challenges of this, this world and to be able to say, you know what, I'm, I'm living it God's way. Um, I'm kind of thinking of it uh, this way right now. I'm reading a book. It's a great book. Uh, it was written by a former Navy SEAL named David Goggins. The title of the book is Can't Hurt Me. And in the book, uh, Goggins talks about the kinds of strength that we need to endure in this world. He talks about two kinds of strength, uh, physical strength and mental strength. Of course, Goggins, when you look at him, he's a strong guy. A Navy SEAL kind of guy wouldn't want to be in a push-up contest with him. Uh, but he, he would contend that even more than physical strength, what has contributed to his success is something he would just call mental strength or grit. Grit is the ability to persevere in the face of, of challenge. Um, when I read his book, I think both of those strengths are important. But there's a third strength that I think we don't talk about very much in our world today. It's not part of the world's narratives, but it's part of the biblical narrative, and it's called spiritual strength. It's a little bit different. Uh, the first two kinds of strength, physical and, and mental strength, really come out uh, of us, right? They're, they're part of our will. They're part of our, our, our makeup, whereas spiritual strength actually is the result of a God who's holding on to us, who produces in us the ability to do things that, that we ordinarily would not be able to do. How do I stand up uh, in the face of adversity that might even lead to my death and be able to say, I'm, here I stand and I'm, I'm not going anywhere. You know, there's one other person, uh, I was thinking about this, who's really taught me a little bit about uh, grit, uh, a little bit about strength, and that would be Will Smith, the actor. 
And they asked Will one time, look, what, what's the secret to your success? And he said, perseverance, grit. Uh, I, I hang on. And I remember him saying it this way. He said, look, if I if I were in a contest with you to see who could stay on a treadmill longer than the other, Will Smith said, I'll always win. Here's why. I would rather die than lose that contest. Well, you know what? Uh, when we talk about spiritual strength, uh, again, this is a God who's holding on to us in those times where we might have to actually uh, suffer uh, loss or even death to hold on to something that we believe. And that that's really where we're going to meet Daniel uh, today in, in our text. Here, here's what I want to do today. Uh, specifically, I want to look at this tension that's going on. I'll, I'll reintroduce the scene. And then I want to look at this tension wherein uh, Daniel has to face a, a choice, a challenge. Uh, I call it the line in the sand challenge. Uh, he's gonna he's gonna make a decision that's caught that could be very costly, could cost him his life. But as he makes that decision and chooses, you know what, I'm gonna live in God's story, not the world's, but God's. Uh, the other side of the tension is he wants to do that in a way that is respectful. In other words, I, I always, as a Christian, I want to live in a way that I, I hold on to my values, my beliefs, uh, the character God's called me to. But I want to be a jerk about it. I, I want to re respect other people. I don't want to come across as, hey, I'm better than you or, hey, look at me. I want to come across always as a person who says, look, I respect you. Even if you hold an opinion or a position that's the polar opposite of mine, I'm going to respect you. That's the tension that I want to look at this morning. And, uh, and then we'll ask a couple of questions around it. Let me reintroduce the scene. I want you to remember that Daniel along with his companions, Azariah, Hananiah, Mishael, all three Judeans, are, are captives living in Babylon. Now, what, what's happened, this takes us back into the 600s BC, is Babylon is expanding its kingdom. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the crown prince, has, has come into Jerusalem, has struck a military victory. But beyond that military victory... What they're doing is the Babylonians have kind of scoured Israel and they've taken out of Israel some of the best and the brightest uh, of the young people. Uh, Daniel and his companions uh, are some of those who they capture and they bring back to Babylon. And what they're doing, I'm just going to use this word today, is they are enculturating them. They're making them Babylonians, right? And when you study history... You, you see how the Babylonians did this. They would take a three-year period. Uh, during those three years, they would take these captives. They would teach them Babylonian art, literature, science, math, uh, how, athletics. They would involve them in the Babylonian way of life. I mean, they, they really want them, the best and the brightest of this, this people group that they've captured, to become Babylonian uh, citizens right? And to actually serve the king of Babylon. Now, uh, here's the problem. You know, Daniel and his companions are fine with most of what's happening. Uh, they don't have to give up who they are in order to, to learn Babylonian math, right? But there's one challenge that they, they face that to us may seem odd, but to them, it's, it's really, it is, it's a line in the sand issue. And it has to do with food. 
Uh, let me just explain it as simply as I can. Uh, part of becoming enculturated meant that these captives, uh, Daniel included, would have to eat food from the king's table. Now, you and I would look at that and be like, good. I mean, <laughs> the king, he's, he's got to, I mean, he's got to have the best food in the world, right? And he does. He does have the best food. Here's the problem. Daniel's grown up as a Hebrew man. Uh, as a youth, he's learned uh, the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Bible. Uh, I mean, committed them literally to memory. Now, the third book in the Pentateuch, I don't expect you to know this on the top of your head, but the third book in the Pentateuch is what is Leviticus. And it's a book that, that literally uh, describes the way God calls Israel to live as a country that's in the world, but not of the world. Think of this big picture. God, God is, is saying, look, uh, I want you, Israel, to, to bring my story into the little story of this world. And, and in order to do that, you can't be like the world. And we, we, we have the same thing today as, as Christians. We recognize if I'm going to be salt in, in the world, uh, I can't live like the world, right? And so part of God's intention was we're going to set aside some foods that you cannot eat and distinguish them from foods that you can eat. These foods are, are clean. You can eat them. These are unclean. You can't eat them. Well, guess what? The king's table has all kinds of unclean food in it that God has said to the Israelites, you shall not eat. Now, here's, here's the line in the sand. You've got this overseer, supervisor, who's supervising Daniel and his companions, he's putting this food in front of them. He says, I want you to eat this food because you're becoming Babylonian. Now, uh, again, you and I could look at this scene and say to ourselves, not a big deal. I mean, nobody's looking. It's just food. Uh, just eat it. Eat it and move on, right? No, not for Daniel. For him, this is a major issue. And, and it comes down to this question. Am I going to obey God? Or am I going to obey man? Uh, do, I, do I stay true to the word that I've said I want to live my life by? Uh, or do I say, no, I, I'm just going to give in? Okay. Um, again, I'm going to pull back here and just kind of speak as a, as a pastor for a minute. I really believe that uh, there are so many times in our life when as Christians, if we're going to take the, the word of God seriously, where we're going to face this, where we're going to have to, to look at who, who am I, what do I believe, what does this word say to me, and do I do it, or do I just kind of go along with the, the world, right? Um, in my earlier years, where we faced this as a family, and I'm going to tell this story, not for the purpose of making a judgment on anyone else, but I just tell the story of this moment when my kids came to me and said, hey, Mom, Dad, we want to we wanna join this soccer club. And I really only had one question for them. I said, my only question for you is, I get it. I understand what this club does. I, I, I know it puts you ahead in the soccer world. Here's my only question is, does the soccer club meet on Sundays, God's Day? The, the one that he said, I want you to set it aside for me. 
Oh, of course, the answer was, yeah, yeah, it meets on Sundays. And so as a family, we really wrestled with, and the question I was putting back in front of my kids is, okay, so what does it mean for you and I to be followers of Jesus Christ? Do we take this book and kind of pick and choose things that we think will be convenient to our lives? Do I say, you know, I, I like this part, but this part here, that, that doesn't seem reasonable, so I'm not doing that. Or do you take the word and say, look, I'm, I'm going to live it out. I'm going to, not by my strength, but God help me. I'm going to try, I want to live it your way. So I had the kids really wrestle with that. And I mean, everything inside of them wanted to say what? Come on, mom and dad, we want to join this club. We want to be part of it. Everything in them did. But as they're looking at this word, you, there's no way around. I mean, God's saying, look, set this thing aside. And they tried every solution they could come up with. And in the end, you know, together as a family, we made a hard decision. We're going to do it God's way. We're going to live inside of his story uh, rather than the stories of this world. That's really what's going on here with with Daniel. And and I think it goes on with us. We're faced with so many uh, moments where we're just challenged. What, What am I going to do? Now, here's the tension. As Daniel makes this decision. It's a a no-brainer for him. He knows what to do. He wants to do it in a way that is respectful to even the people who have captured him. He wants to be respectful to them. I think this is so absolutely important. In the third chapter of 1 Peter, uh, beginning verse 15, there's some words that have always stayed with me about how we as Christians ought to both stay true to the word, but respectful of others. And remember, Peter is is talking to early Christians who are going to have every single one of their faith tenets put under fire uh, in Rome. And remember what he says to him. He says, always be prepared to give a defense for the hope that is in you, but do so he writes, with gentleness and respect, all right? So just think about those words. Always be ready to give a defense for, all right? What does defense assume? Attack, right? What's in you as a Christian, what's in God's word, if you're going to live it out, is going to come under attack. So here's what you need to be ready to do. Give a defense for it. The Greek word here for defense, I think, is, is significant. Uh, the word is apologia. Uh, we get our English word apology from it. Uh, in this context, it doesn't mean to, to tell people you're sorry for it. You're not saying, well, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to obey God, and hey, I'm really sorry for that. But no, that's not what it means. It's actually two Greek terms that are glued together to form this singular word. It's apo from lagia, the word. Apologia means I'm going to show you from the word a different story, the one I'm called to live in, God's story. And I want to do that, notice the second part of this verse, with gentleness and respect. Now, I'm going to take you back over to Daniel chapter 1, and uh, let me just read a little bit of this. I'm reading from the ESV, by the way. Uh, You can read whatever version you want, but I I like this translation. This is Daniel 1, verses 8 and following. It says, But Daniel 
resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. There's the decision. I'm not going to do it. Lying in the sand, I'm going to apologia, live from the word of God. I'm living in his story. Now, how, how does he balance that? How does he do it with respect? Listen to these next words. It says, therefore, he asked the chief of the eunuchs, that's the supervisor, supervising uh, their uh, enculturation. He asked him to allow him not to defile himself. Think about what's going on here. Daniel's not throwing a hissy fit. He's not going, who do you Babylonians think you are to tell us Israelites what we're going to eat? No, no. He's not acting like a victim. Oh, I guess we're going to have to do this. No, he gets into dialogue with the supervisor. He respects him. He respects his office, his position, his authority. He simply asks him, listen, would you be willing to allow us to not defile ourselves. We've, we've made this, this decision uh, not to eat this food, not because we want to be better than anyone else or above you, but because this is who we are. We're, we're Hebrews. This is what we believe. He then goes on to offer him an alternative. And uh, the alternative, uh, if you remember the story, was would you allow us, instead of eating this food, to eat vegetables for the next 10 days and perform a test. And at the end of 10 days, come back and look at us. If we're weak and we're, we're scraggly and it's not working, you know, then let's rethink this. But guess what? We think, it, we think this is going to work out. Just let us eat vegetables. And sure enough, 10 days later, when the supervisor looks at Daniel and his companions, they're stronger and healthier than anyone else. And at the end of the day, the supervisor actually makes a decision to, to stop feeding everyone from the king's table and to say, you know what, you can be Babylonian and eat Babylonian vegetables. That's what we're going to do. We're going to feed everybody that from, from henceforth. Um, and Daniel and his companions have, have both respected uh, their supervisor, uh, as well as their the other people being enculturated, uh, but they've also stayed true to what they believe. So I want to ask you a couple of questions today, uh, and then we'll close. I'm always asking myself, you know, so what, is, what does this really have to do with me, uh, this tension? I think it has a lot to do with us. And so here's the questions I want you to think about this week. Number one, where where are you being asked to make compromises uh, relative to what you believe God is telling you to, to do, how he's calling you to live inside of his story uh, in, in opposition to the world? Where are you being asked to make compromises? We're all going to be asked to make compromises, no matter what. Whether it's, hey, would you come to this, this movie with me? Hey, would you come to this concert with me? Hey, would you read this book? Would you turn on this Netflix uh, program? Would you? I mean, these sound like little things. So did food. I mean, it seemed like a little thing. But when, when we're asked to, to compromise, um, what, what do I do with that? So I really want you to give some thought to that. Where are you right now? Um, maybe you're even making compromises, but where, where is that happening in your life? So second question is, if you were to draw the line, if you were to say, no more, either I'm going to stop making these compromises or I'm, I'm 
I'm not going to do that. The question is, what is the price tag attached? I think it always costs you something. I don't think there's any way around that. It costs you something to say, no, I'm going to live inside of God's story. What is the cost to you? Third question is, what's the benefit? I learned this just a couple of weeks ago. Somebody said, you know, we're always asking the question, what's the worst thing that can happen? He says, for goodness sakes, flip that upside down and let's ask the question, what's the best thing that can happen? And, and that's kind of what I want you to do is if you were to, to stop and just to say, I'm, I'm drawing this line in the sand, I'm going to do it in a respectful way, uh, in a good way. What What's the positive? What's the benefit that could come out of that uh, for you? Well, we're going to close with those questions today. Next week, we're going to jump into chapter two of Daniel. Uh, we're going to look at a, a sequence of, of a dream that he's asked to interpret. And again, just a fascinating episode that kind of points us back to the strength that we have as we live inside of God's story. God bless you till then.